Come on, wasn't that awesome? Let's give Jesus a little praise. So I got my stool here just in case I, just in case I need it. So, um, man, so thankful that you're here, that you're spending the morning with us. And, you know, what I, what I, one of the things I really love about last weekend and what you all did for all those families is it's kind of what we just sang about, that you, you created a place on Saturday where people could just feel like they're at home. Just feel like they're, doesn't, doesn't everybody need that? Doesn't everybody need like a place that feels like home? And that's something that we all need. I, I think that's something we all need. Problem is that some of us have never experienced that. Some of us have never experienced a, a good home. I don't, I don't know what your home is like right now. Maybe it's, maybe it's great. Maybe it's really healthy. Maybe it isn't. Maybe it's a kind of a tough place to be. Maybe, um, maybe you grew up in a great home and you had great parents, or, or maybe you didn't. Maybe you grew up in a place where there was uh, a lot of anger, or fighting, or abuse, or who knows what was going on. We, we, all, we all need a place that, that feels like home. So I'm going to talk about that a little bit this morning today as we celebrate Easter, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. I'm going to talk about that. And uh, You know, Easter creates a lot of pressure for, for pastors. They all there's the, the, the inside language is that this is the Super Bowl of church. This is kind of how they all talk to, to each other. Because this is the weekend that you all show up, right? Like, you know, we, we can get everybody, you might come like once every four or six weeks, but everybody comes on Easter. Like, that's the one we can, we can count on. And again, it, again, at Christmas. So there's all this pressure to get it right. But I'm going to be honest with you, I haven't tried real hard to get too complex or cute with the, the message today. I really have... A couple thoughts that started for me for Easter probably, I don't know, eight or nine months ago when I, I went to our worship guys and said, hey, I think this song uh, will set up Easter really well, that homecoming song that we just sang. And, um, you know, we, we have a luxury here today of as we celebrate Easter of looking back on Easter through the lens of history, right? It's 2022, so we can look back and we can see what Jesus did. We we even had the, you know, the Passion Week, Holy Week. We start with Palm Sunday, and we, we look back and we remember all these moments as Jesus went toward the cross and then was raised from the dead. And we, we have all these moments that we can remember. And, but I think for the disciples, for the, the close followers of Jesus, when, when he was around, like they didn't have that luxury of looking back through the lens of history. I think I actually think the events of Easter would have created quite a bit of anxiety for them, don't you think? Like, that would have, that really would have messed with them. And so I'm going to talk about that a little bit today. Really, really the, the core of what I want to talk to you about came, happened last weekend. And I wasn't expecting this, honestly. It kind of rearranged everything that I was planning for this morning. I got, I got the chance last Sunday night to hang out with a bunch of teenagers, a bunch of our students here. Uh, there was probably 30 or so of them in the room. I, I don't know. Um, and what they call motion night. It's a night where they try to get every, all their friends to come to church. And, and so I got to speak. I got to step back into my old youth pastor shoes for the first time in a, in a long time. And um, who was that? That was, yeah, go ahead. I, I'll take it. Uh, was that Janine? She was one of my kids, one of my youth group kids. I got several. Where's Kristen? Is she in the room? I don't know where she's at. Kristen was up here leading worship. She was one of my kids in my first youth group whenever I was a, a youth pastor. And, we had several that have become a part of our church. And, and so I was hanging out with all these students, and, and I asked them this question. I said, hey, how many of y'all 
have ever had somebody share something with you that they were trying to convince you it was good news, but you knew it was bad news? Anybody else ever experienced that? You ever had, just quick show of hands, how many have ever had somebody tell you something and they were saying it like it was good news, but you were like, this is not good news? One of the kids cracked me up. One of the kids, I hope I don't get them in trouble today. One of the kids cracked me up. They were like, yeah, one time my parents came to me. They were all excited. They were like, hey, guess what? Grandma's visiting and you get to share your room with her. It's going to be awesome. You get to hang out with Grandma. And the kid was like, no, I want my room. Grandma got a bunch of smelly dogs. You know, it was, just, it was like... Another one was like, yeah, one time we had family visiting and so my little sibling came to me like all excited that they were gonna, we were gonna share bedrooms and like, like I didn't wanna share my room with my sibling. I think all of us have probably experienced that. Somebody who's convinced something is good news, but for us it's actually bad news. And I'm gonna show you a scripture here in just a second uh, from the book of John, chapter 14, but I wanna give you a little context, a little backstory to it first. If you, if, you, if you were to go look at the book of John, which is one of the four gospels in your Bible, four, first four books of the New Testament, this, this is where we see the life of Jesus recorded and all of his teachings and all of his miracles, all of that are recorded in these four gospels. And before we get to the passage I wanna read with you this morning, if you were to go like several chapters before it, here's kinda of like some of the events that play out. One of the headings you would see in your Bible, if you were to see, just read the heading and see what Jesus is about to talk about, one of them is like Jesus predicting his own death, which I just think like, if I put myself in the disciples' shoes, the, the early followers of Jesus, I put myself in their shoes, like this is supposed to be our Messiah, this is supposed to be our King, this is supposed to be the guy that's gonna set us free, and, and they've got all these, these grand ideas of what Jesus is gonna do, of course, how Jesus plan to do that for all of us was very different from what they were thinking. And so I just think like that would have been pretty anxiety inducing, like to think finally the Christ is here, he's gonna be our savior. And they thought he would lead them to a, basically a, a revolution um, where they would fight their captors and, and be free. That's not how Jesus accomplished what he wanted to do. So Jesus is like, hey y'all, I'm gonna be dying. And I can, I can just imagine the anxiety that, that would have induced. And then a couple chapters later, like they're all having the Passover, the Last Supper together. And, and, and then in the middle of that, Jesus is like, hey, um, one of you 12 who's been with me forever, Judas, yeah, man, I know that you're gonna betray me, so go ahead, go ahead and go do that. And he's like, go, go do your thing. And then in that same setting, that same conversation, Peter is like, you know, he's always trying to make himself out to be the best disciple. And, and so he's like, well, Jesus, I would never do anything bad to you. You're, you're the best, and I'm the best, and so we'll just be the best together. And, and Jesus is like, actually, Peter, before the morning, you're going to deny that you even know me three times. So it kind of seems like a lot of bad news. Kind of seems like a lot of bad news. But Jesus is like, but don't worry, guys. It's actually all good news. I'm gonna die, you're gonna betray me, you're gonna deny me, oh, also, I'm gonna leave. I'll be gone. And so then he says, but, um, but it's good news. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my Father's home. Everybody say home. 
If this were not so, I would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? There's a, there's a place that Jesus is preparing. And says, when everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you always be with me where I am. Jesus is saying, I got, I've got a home. Everybody needs a home. And Jesus is saying, I've got, a, I've got a good home. It's my father's home. And we're adding rooms on. We're making space for you. Sounds great to us now. But to the disciples, I'm not sure. I think they would have been like, what are you talking about? Jesus, we don't want you to go anywhere. But he does. And he leaves them with that promise. I'm going to go create a home for you. There's a, I'm going to create a place for you. And I just was thinking about that word home. I've been chewing on that quite a bit. And I was, I was thinking, like, what makes a good home? What makes a good home? I hope that you've had the chance to experience that, but I know not everybody does. Um, the home I grew up in wasn't always the healthiest place to be. My mom's probably watching today, and I'll get a text later. And I'm saying, I'm so sorry that it was, and I'm like, knock it off. We're all good. Jesus redeemed everything. It's all fine. But, but it wasn't always a perfect home because we're all human, and sin happens, and we make mistakes. Amen? So what makes a good home, a healthy home? I, I, I get to enjoy a pretty healthy home right now, mostly because of my wife. <laughs> like, she's pretty awesome. A place you look forward to being, a place that you're better for being there. And so I was just thinking, I was, this is my list. You might have your own list. I was thinking, like, a good home for me is a peaceful home. It's got some peace. Like, I, I can go home and just go, <sighs> after a long day or after counseling somebody or walking somebody through something, y'all bring some heavy stuff to us every once in a while. I just want you to know that. <laughs> so I just need a place where I can get some peace. And I also know like when I go home, my kids and my wife, they, like, they really, really are okay with me being me. I like that. I like that there's always acceptance at home. Some of you have never had that. Some of you have never felt like anybody's okay with you. I want you to know your heavenly father is okay with you. I, I like going home because I get loved at home. I get loved on at home. My, my little boy this last week, uh, this is just one of these awesome like dad moments. I, don't, I, I, have, I have those from time to time and, and he's playing baseball and he's frustrated because he's not hitting the ball like he wants to and so he had his first game for the season coming up and He's like, I don't want to go because I don't want to have to hit. And um, lucky kid got walked twice, actually. It was pretty awesome. So uh, he's like, I don't want to have to hit. And I'm like, well, listen, buddy, I played two seasons. when I, was, I didn't start until I was 12 years old, so I was way too late. I played two seasons, and I quit because I was frustrated, and I've always regretted that I quit. Because I, when I got older, I actually learned I did have a little tiny bit of athletic talent, and if I'd have just stuck with it, I'd have been okay. I would have figured it out. And I quit too early. And so I love you, man. And you're not quitting. And, um, and so even if it makes you mad at me, we're going to go play this game tonight. <laughs> and he was like, even if it makes me mad? I said, yes. He said, well, that's a bad dad. 
I said, buddy, you're nine. You don't know Jack Diddley about a good dad from a bad dad. You think a good dad makes you happy. That's only part of the deal. A good dad also makes you strong. So we're going to go play the game. After the game, I promised him a little treat, so I took him to Wawa to pick out something after the game. If he gave his best effort, he did. As we were walking in the parking lot, he, he stops me, leans over, and just grabs me. He says, you're right, Daddy. I don't know how you're always right about this stuff. But I'm glad I played the game. <laughs> I, lo- I love getting loved on. You only get that from family, right? That's one of the things I get at home is I get, I get love. I also get support. That's something that you get in a good home. And, and then, of course, family. And I, I've been thinking, even through the lens of like the last couple of years and how difficult it's been for a lot of you, even today, some of you are still watching online because you're, you're not comfortable with some of your own medical concerns, getting out in a crowd, and, and I understand that. And we're so happy to have you watching online. I gotta be like right up front with you though. The one thing I can't give you through a camera is family. I can't give you community, which is something that we all need desperately, amen? And, and a lot of us have gotten away from it. You know, it got easy to stay home and, and do church online. It got easy to, to isolate and to get away from people. It got easy to become caught up in the vacuum of whatever issue it was for that day that you were passionate about and then you kind of just only side with the people that agree with you. (laughs) Next thing you know, you don't really have like any real family and you don't have anything that you're a part of where you get peace and acceptance, love and support. This is is a place, the, the, the church is a place where you're supposed to experience all of these. It should feel like home. But even more than that, Jesus paints a picture of heaven, a good home. And we'll talk about it a little bit later, but Thomas, one of the disciples who's there, he's like, I want to go. I want to go. I'm I'm ready. He he was all fired up. He's excited. But I want to show you something first, because more than Thomas wanted to go, more than even you and I might want to go, you need to know how much the Father wants you to come home how excited he is to have you home. And so I have a question. I'm going to ask it several times before we end our time together today. Where are you headed? Are you headed home? Are you headed home? There's a, there's a story that Jesus tells. Jesus used parables to illustrate ideas and so in, in the book of Luke there's three stories he tells to illustrate God's heart towards lost people and lost things, and uh, there's a, a parable of a lost sheep and a parable of a lost coin, but then the last one is, is probably my favorite out of all of them, because it illustrates so beautifully what God's heart is toward us when we wander, when we're not headed home. And it tell, he tells the story of a, of a, a man who had decided that he was ready to leave home. And he says to his father, hey, father, give me all of my inheritance. I wanna take it and I wanna leave. I wanna go do my own thing. So he goes out, he tries living life his own way, he does his own thing. The story says that he squandered all of his wealth. He made a lot of terrible decisions and he found himself with nothing. 
found himself with nothing, which is what we'll do when we wander from home. And I, I just love the story because it illustrates God's heart toward us. And it says, finally, the boy came to his what? Senses. He came to his senses. And he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. I will go home. There's this place where now that I think about it, this place my father had created, it was peaceful and I was accepted and I was loved and I was supported and my family's there. It's time to go home to my father. Where are you this Easter? Have you wandered? And how's that going for you? You've been kind of trying to figure things out on your own, kind of making some of your own choices. Maybe not consulting your Heavenly Father, maybe not consulting His Word. Is it turning out for you as well as you thought it would? I love that the Son came to His senses. That's what I'm praying will happen for some of us today. That you would have a, a moment today where you wake up and you go, man, I need to go home. More than I love that, I love the response of the father. It says, so he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Watch this. Filled with love and compassion. Filled with love and compassion. My heart broke this week when I saw... This guy from the New York Times, I don't know who he is, but he decided to write an article on giving up on God this Easter. He said he's a hateful God and a mean God, and I thought, like, man, somebody has severely misrepresented Christ to you. That's, that's not the God I see in my Bible. My Bible says he's filled not with anger, not with hate, not with judgment, but with love and compassion. That's our God. Isn't that awesome? Love and compassion. Some of you are thinking today, I could never, I could never come to Jesus. I could never offer my life to him. I, I, could, never, I could never do this faith thing, this Christianity thing, because I'm, I, I make too many mistakes, or I, I, I've got too many issues, and I've got too many skeletons in the closet, and my past is too dirty and too broken, and I just want to tell you this morning, that is not at all how your father feels about it. When you come home, the Heavenly Father is filled with love and compassion, and look, the dad gets up and runs to his son. I love this because it says, while he was still a long way off, so that means I think, I think the dad, I think the father, every day was sitting out on the front porch watching for his boy. Like thinking, maybe this will be the day that my son wakes up and comes home. Just with anticipation. Waiting for him, waiting for him, waiting for him. And on the day he finally sees him, he runs to him full of love and compassion. Kissed him. And his son says, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. 
He has this, this moment of humility where he realizes, I don't deserve any of this. But his father said to the servants, quick, bring the finest robe in the house. Son, you've come home. I'm going to treat you like royalty and put it on. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf we've been fattening. We must, everybody say it, celebrate with a feast. Now, we don't have a fatted calf for you this morning, but we do have free cake pops as you leave church this morning. (laughs) For this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he's found. And so the party began, which is what happens every time one of us comes home to the Father. The Bible says heaven throws a party. I love that. The party began. Where are you headed today? Are you home? Or do you need to come home to your heavenly Father? So I want to go back now to John chapter 14. And Jesus says, bad news, but good news. And he says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And Thomas is like, I want to go to a home like that. And Jesus ends his speech about home with, you know the way to where I'm going. Now, when you read your Bible, if you don't laugh, you're doing it wrong. Because this is funny. Jesus is like, I'm going to go prepare a home for you. You know the way. I'll send you the GPS link. I'll send you the Google Maps I'll text it to you. And Thomas is like, uh, no, we don't. That's hilarious to me. He actually says, Jesus, we have no idea where you are going. So how can we know the way? And um, this is the moment that I got to spend with students last Sunday night. It was... And I'm just going to use the same questions I asked them with you this morning. And it was one of the most sweet, tender moments that I've ever experienced. That 20 or 30 kids, however many were in the room, like, like the presence of God came into that room with us. And the kids all started crying, and then I started crying, and then the, the youth leaders started crying, like, like we... We boosted the Kleenex stock last Sunday night. It was special. It was really cool. So Thomas is like, we don't know how to get there, Jesus. If, if I want to come home, how do I get home? I need to know the way home. And Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. And so let me say this to you this morning. We're almost done. Carlos, you can come on out. Let me say this to you this morning. If you're ready to come home this Easter, the directions have not changed. Jesus is still the way. Still the truth, still the life. And that's what he says. He says, I am the way, I'm the way. The problem is we tend to try our own way. 
we tend to try almost any other way. But Jesus says, I'm the way. You want to come home? Just come to me. I will get you there. So what would it look, I just want to ask you this morning, what would it look like? If Jesus is the way, and I believe he is, then what would it look like to really follow him? You want to come home? Follow the way. Just follow Jesus. That's what happens when we come into relationship with him. That's what the whole salvation experience is about. Is live, then after that, living a life of following Jesus. It's really that simple. And then he says, I'm, I'm, I'm also the truth. Which I, I just find that really interesting. And I'm not trying to be controversial on Easter, but in the context we live in now, I find it interesting that Jesus says, there's not multiple versions of truth. You don't have your truth and you don't have your truth and I don't have my truth. Jesus says, I am truth. Like you want, you want to see clearly? Get around me. Because the truth exists in a person, in one man, Jesus Christ. So if you want to find the way home, he's the way, follow him. And then he's the truth, and so you'll have to make a leap of faith and trust him. Trust him. And then he ends it all by saying, I am the life. And here's the deal. I believe on a day like today, there are people sitting in this room, there are people watching online. Who you're, you're breathing and your heart's beating, but you're not really living. And you're not home. And Jesus says, if you follow me and you trust me, then for the first time ever, you might just start living. Sounds pretty good to me. I am the way, so follow me. I, I am the truth, so trust me. And I am the life. Like, you're not going to live a life any better than this. I want to ask you all, if you would, to stand to your feet. We're just going to have a moment here before we end. Would you close your eyes all across the room? There's going to be some movement on the stage here. They're going to get the screen off of here. and The band is going to come out. So just don't pay attention to that. Just close your eyes if you would. We're going to have a moment of prayer. Where are you headed? What if Easter 2022 could be the day you come home? How great would that be? That's all we've been praying for for today. That's all we want for you. So with nobody looking around and every eye closed, I want you to know I'm not going to call anybody to the front of the room. I'm not going to single you out or embarrass you. But in a second, I'm going to ask you just to lift your hand and let me know if you say, hey, Pastor Michael, I'm ready to come home to my Father. I need Jesus. 
I've been going my own way. I've been trusting everything else. And I'm not living. But today's the day. I'm ready to come home. So I'm going to count to three. And when I get to three, if that's you, you say, I, I got to come home today. I want you just to lift your hand. Just wave. You can just put it up and right back down. Just wave it at me real quick. I just want to know that you're in the room. You ready? Here we go. One, two, three. Come home. Just lift your hand. I see it. 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 Anybody else? I see it. Good job. You just put it up and right back down. I'm just going to wait a couple seconds. Anybody else? You say, I need, I need to come home today. I see it. Anybody else? Come home. Come home to my Father. Awesome. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. In fact, all of those of you who uh, you're already home, why don't you say this prayer too? We'll just kind of show some love and support for everyone as they pray today. Can we just repeat this prayer out loud? Just say, Jesus, today I'm coming home to be with you. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for the cross that paid the price for my mistakes and my sins. I believe you died on it. You did for me what I could never do for myself. And I believe three days later, you rose from the dead. You conquered death. You conquered hell. You conquered sin. And because of this moment right now, one day I'll be home in heaven. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, let's just sing this right, right now. Just sing it one more time.
So I want to tell you something this morning. Heaven just got a little bit bigger. Hell just got a little bit smaller. Come on, can we celebrate that this morning? Come on, let's give Jesus our very best.